She's four foot eleven, but you wouldn't mess with her. She took up the sport to keep herself safe, and now it looks like it's taking her all the way to the Olympics. Andrea Anakin, welcome. I'm so excited to be able to chat with you and hear about your sport, which I've got to admit, <laughs> I hadn't heard of. Kata. It's a form of karate, which Kiwis know well. Please give me the 101, the idiot's guide to <laughs> your sport, kata. Yes, so I do, I, I'd like to think of it as the art form of karate. So if you can think like a floor routine for gymnastics, but without the music, and it's all about self-defense. So there are a list of katas that you do, and it has to be approved in order to do it for competition. And um, you choose one for which round you're gonna do for each tournament, and you perform it, and each move has a meaning. So for example, if you block, you'd be like, okay, what is this block for? And then you grab and then you strike. So each move in the kata means something and you have to basically translate that in your performance. So it's a bit different to kumite where you literally have an opponent to fight. So kata, you're all alone on the mat and you're trying to communicate what it means to the judges. So when you say it's an art form, it's a performance, you're on your own on the mat going through the moves. Yes, yeah, so each move from the bow, because you have to bow start and the end of the kata, you prepare and then you know, each move that you do means something. And because kata was done as kind of like the, what do you call it, in, in Japan, like it was used by samurais, like you know, like going down on the ground, what does it mean? Oh, it's because someone is like, you know, attacking you from the top so you have to go down and then attack from down to up yeah wow, it's an art form isn't yeah. it so so what are some of the meanings of the moves so I, I love what you've just said there about you know getting down on the ground the samurai what are some of the other moves and meanings oh, okay so like you know if someone's attacking you of course you have to block first because it's self-defense but they're just not going to stop there right so i do that to every... my children all the time block. <laughs> yeah i'm working on that one i'm yes. going well with the cut of one but then you have to incapacitate them so after you block, what are you going to do? You have to strike back. And you know, because I teach karate as well, so we have to tell our students, when somebody wants to fight you, what do you do? And the correct answer is, you run away. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, it pays. Yeah, and then when you can't run away, you defend yourself because, you know, we teach karate for self-defense. So when you block, you strike, and then you face your other opponent if there are other opponents, and then that moves means something else. So it's quite, it's quite good because like every time I do a move in the kata, you use your breathing to even control it, you know, and it's part of um, the point system as well, your breathing and the timing. So if you block and then punch, you're like, oh, okay, they're punching my face, so I have to block. And then you can't block here because they're still gonna punch your forehead, so it has to be higher, you know, things like that. So, so you're that's... visualizing the whole time? Yes. Yeah. And because you don't have an opponent, and, and as you say, it's like an art form, it's, it's almost like a dance. Yes. How much does the psychology play into that? Because physically you have to be fit and strong, but as you say, you're visualizing, you're going through these moves in your head. Yes. Is it, you know, a mind game as well? Oh, yes. You have to be definitely. mind fit? Yeah, because um, you're there performing by yourself, right? But so. I like to think of it as like getting into the zone. So it used to be like, I feel my kata. And then you evolve from that going, I want the judges to feel my kata. But then there's more than that. It's like, I want everybody to feel my kata. And so it's like when you're performing, you're not just performing by yourself, you're performing 
as if you're performing for everyone. I'm feeling your cutter right now. <laughs> I feel the energy and your passion for it. So you're a black belt. Is yes. it similar to the, to the gradings with karate and kumate? Um, yes, so uh, for it, it depends on the style and the club that you join. So for our club, it's different competition and grading wise. So, I mean, I was a black belt, uh, sorry, I was a brown belt for about three years because I was just competing and they forgot to grade me. <laughs> but I didn't Did mind. Did you teach them a lesson for that? <laughs> no, because I loved competing. So for me, um, the belts for me was kind of like, yeah, cool, I'm progressing in belts, but I also love com competing. So competition and grading are quite different. So for me, I kind of valued my competition more than grading. And then when they finally remembered that I haven't graded for three years, they went back and was like, oh, you're still a brown belt. And I was like, yes. <laughs> no. So what's the reaction to people when you say, I'm, I'm a black belt in kata? What, what do people react when you say, this is my sport? Oh, um, surprised because, uh, as you said, I'm four foot eleven, so I never reach five feet. Is it flats or heels or <laughs> that's it's four foot flat, eleven? Yeah, flat, right? <laughs> I actually thought I was five foot, and then I measured myself and did I reach oh, it? Oh <laughs> no, come down. <laughs> so um, it's a good like you know conversation for people and for me to talk about it. As you can tell, I'm, I'm very passionate because I've been doing it since I was four and a half. So. Once you get me like start talking about it, I just can't stop. <laughs> so tell me, how did it all start? You say, you know, you're, you're 29 now. Uh, 30. 30. Oh, crikey. <laughs> See, numbers. It's a numbers game. So 30 now. Um, you started at four. So you've been doing this for a long time. What yes. was the motivation? Why cutter at the age of four? Well, um, my parents had a business in the Philippines and it was in the mall and my mom would take me kind of like inside the mall and I would see these kids like activities, kids activities, you know, there was taekwondo, ballet, karate, dancing, and I was like, mom, I want to do um, one of those. And she goes, oh, okay, well, what do you want to do? Would you like ballet or karate? Because it was um, just a time slot that we had. And I was like, ballet, like, if I get kidnapped, am I going to be dancing for them? Like, <laughs> and this is a mentality because, you know, I was in the Philippines and, um, my parents used to be really strict about my safety, so I had to memorize my phone number, I had to memorize my address, and I wasn't allowed to talk to strangers, you know. And um, my school was like eight stories high, and it was a gated school, and nobody can pick me up unless it was like checked by the security guards or it was my bus. So my mom was like, right, okay, you're gonna do karate then. <laughs> so I was like, yes, I want karate over ballet. So it was a security issue? It wasn't just choosing black belt over pink shirts? No. <laughs> I don't have anything against ballerinas because the strength that you need and the discipline that they have is amazing. But yeah, I chose karate when I was younger for the self-defense. And it's in your family too, isn't it? Your brother was, was quite a good... Yes. Um... <laughs> yeah, so um, both my siblings do karate. Um, so both... karate as opposed to kata? So yes, karate? so um, because for grading you both, you, you need kata and kumite. Oh, right, okay. Yes. So you need so, that combination. Yes, correct. Yeah, and I actually stopped doing kumite when I was 14 because 
um, my sensei said, if you don't grow any taller, you're going to stop because my opponents are... <laughs> A lot taller than me. Eleven coming yeah. in. Yeah. So if you can't reach your opponent, it's going to be dangerous. Yes. Yeah. But um, you know there are shorter competitors as well. But Sensei wanted me to focus on Kata because Kumite was getting quite dangerous for me, like especially with my opponents here in New Zealand. Uh, so he was like, right. So if you don't grow in the next year, you're going to stop Kumite and you're just going to focus on Kata. <laughs> but um, both my siblings used to be national champions and my brother and I used to compete continentally together yeah well, so what was that dynamic like brother and sister kind of competing on a you know international <laughs> stage was there some rivalry there not really rivalry um so my brother is actually my acting manager right now working on my brand that's what he calls it right, <laughs> yeah because he was like you need to get out of there you know you need to like put yourself forward and it's good for karate as well for exposure and um, we still train together, and he monitors my diet at home. <laughs> yeah, and um, we teach a dojo together, a gym, a school, sorry. So all three of us teach. So I focus on kata, my sister focuses on basics, and then my brother does kumite. So it, it's a good combination. It's a family affair, really, isn't it? Yeah, and I actually miss competing like with him because, you know, my parents can't come with me anymore and my brother when he was there competing with me I actually feel more nervous when he's out there competing than when I compete because I can control like you know my nerves and my performance but I can't control him and his opponents so yeah I That's miss competing with them. That's how parents feel with their children they can't <laughs> control it but they're a bunch of nerves. Yeah. So uh, what was it like when you were younger when you were um, fighting with um, your family members uh, did your parents know whether you were actually practicing or squabbling for real? Uh, my mom basically had to stop us watching violent films and and also, I don't know if you know the cartoon Popeye. Oh yes. <laughs> and also Penny like spinach. Yes, yeah. And the games for PlayStation. She had to monitor that because we were imitating the moves. <laughs> this was when we were younger, and we were like, oh yeah, let's do these moves. And you know, we'd have like bruises and like. <laughs> so it wasn't Sound of Music and uh, Toy Story. It was WWF. <laughs> well, the thing is, we weren't doing it to hurt each other. We were just seeing it going, oh, we do karate. We can do that. So my mom had to be like, right, I have to control this. And you do your moves in karate, but this is made for TV and for games. You're not supposed to do it. <laughs> so family's obviously hugely important and a big yes. part of your life. How, how was it, the transition coming from the Philippines to New Zealand, as a family, settling here, but also wanting to continue with your sport. I mean, how, how challenging was that for you? Well, we had a bit of culture shock because um, we came from the Philippines and um, the culture is just really different. Even the population, you know, the whole of population of New Zealand can fit into the city where we were living in. <laughs> so it was quite a big shock. Yeah. And also the language, I don't know if you can tell, but I haven't fully gotten the Kiwi accent as of yet. <laughs> oh, sounds good to me, Andrea. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Say so fish and chips. Fish and chips. There you go. <laughs> and um, my family basically told me that I'm not going to waste all my years of doing karate, you know, because I started when I was four and a half and then we came here when I was 12. And they're like, you're going to keep doing it. And I went through a stage where I had a bit of an attachment to my sensei back in the Philippines and coming here with a new club, you know, with a new sensei, he was changing everything about me and I didn't know why. 
And I think there was also this like language barrier and it was really, really hard. So I was crying each time I was going to training and I told my parents, I was like, I want to quit. I don't want to do this anymore. And my dad used to coach me a lot, like waking me up at like 6 a.m., like training me in Kumite actually. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and we'd go through drills together and stuff. So he was like, I'm not going to let, let you like, you know, waste all these years that you've done it. And he was like, you used to love it like a lot. Like just, we're going to find another club. And if that doesn't like fix it, then we're going to have to let it go. So we prayed about it because I'm a Christian. So our faith is a really big thing in our household and for me as well, of course. And we prayed about it. My parents prayed really hard. We actually found another dojo. And um, Sensei Johnny, who's my sensei now, he, I was really scared of him because <laughs> he used to lock me out of the dojo and be like, right, you're gonna say your kata name and you're not gonna get in until I hear it from the inside. And it was in Auckland University, so there were like basket players around, basketball players around, and I was like screaming it from the top of my lungs, and I was like, "Can you let me in now, please?" And then he wasn't opening the door until I put my all in it, and then he opened it, and it was like, "Right, that's how you're gonna say your kata." Yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't about volume; it was about spirit. It was and feeling. Both. It is both, you know, because like the more spirit you have, it actually translates into your volume. So he was like, I want to feel it. I want to feel it behind closed doors. So he was not going to let me in until I actually did it. <laughs> so, so interesting, Andrea, because it sounds to me like, you know, you were doing it when you moved from the Philippines to New Zealand, you were doing kata and kumite for dad, for your dad. <laughs> and then once you found the sensei or coach that suited you, you were doing it for yourself. I was really doing it for myself ever since I was a kid, but I was motivated a lot by my parents. So, you know, my mom couldn't watch me fight in kumite, but she can watch me do kata. And my dad used to coach me in kumite because he'd be like, you need to use your brain, you know, they're attacking you from like, because I've never been the tall one, so I've always been short. So he was like, you need to put your guard up. And you know, he, we would mimic the movement. So it's a joint effort yeah. from me and my family. Yeah. <laughs> so, your sensei, your coach, yes. tell me about the, the relationship and the, the dynamic that you have because it sounds like it's pretty tight and it's oh, yes. really important to get that right connection. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I'm, my whole family prayed about it, obviously, and um, he's also a Christian, so he'd be like, right, this is what we have to do. I prayed about this and, you know, so our dynamics is really close because people actually from overseas think that he's my dad. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. How does so, they feel about that? <laughs> um, he's, it's quite good because, you know, they can trust him to train me, yes. but also like they, they're not nervous going overseas because they know I'm like taken You're care of. Games. Yeah, and um, you know, he treats me like I'm his daughter and like um, his door is always open for us, not just for me, but the people who want to train in his dojo. Like his house, um, he built his house with a dojo inside it. Wow. And when we started like, you know, going for world tournaments, we would have like sleepovers in the dojo because um, we would be like training. It, we don't have a time limit with the training. It's like we start and if he's not happy, we keep going. Once we're happy, we sleep or we go home. <laughs> but you're obviously on board with that. I and that's love the it. That you're making to your sport. Oh yes, yeah. definitely. You know, for him, it was like, if you put in the effort, I will put the effort in it as well. And um, when I, when I came from the Philippines to New Zealand, um, you know, I 
joining tournaments, I didn't know what I was doing. And that's what was really hard for me as well, part of the reason why I wanted to quit. And so he actually stopped coaching. He came back because um, our other coach was like, oh, um, I have a student here that wants to train with you. Can you come back? So he came out of retirement. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And so it started from there. And he was like, if you put in the effort, I will put in the effort too. And, you know, I would text him like at like 10 p.m. at night. I'm like, sensei, tournament tomorrow. I'm really nervous. And then he'd be like, right, do you want to train? Yeah. Like, you know? <laughs> he was he was committed, as committed as you were. I can yeah. see that fatherly bond, you know, locking yeah. people out. I'd love to lock my kids out. That's everything <laughs> as well. Um, so tell me about, uh, what, do you, what do you think when I say wax on, wax off? Oh. <laughs> Cringe? Um, what? Yes. Uh, uh, a little bit. <laughs> um, in the Karate Kid, actually, the, um, the I don't know if you remember, but the last Oh, Ralph Macchio was in it. I remember it. Right. <laughs> so the last few movements that he did, he was actually in a kumite fight, but he did right. kata moves. Uh -huh. And I was watching it, I was like, hey. Was it this, was it this one? The, this, the swan move? That one? Uh, no, that was in the new one, which is actually Kung Fu. <laughs> oh, right. Okay, well, there you go. I'm completely confused. It was the original one, and he did a kata in a kumite fight. And I was like, hey. I know that What's those moves on? that yeah yeah I do that kata. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I love it because it gives like exposure to karate. Exactly. And if you know if the kids see it and be like, man, I really want to learn self defense or like I want to be able to learn the dis discipline that they're doing in Karate Kid, then I'm all on board. You're right. It's put it on the map, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah. So karate Kid to the um, cutter woman that we have. Um, <laughs> it's a non-contact sport, yes. but I do understand. A little birdie tells me that. There may have been a contact version in your life at some stage. Was there a, an, a time where you had to actually bring in some moves? Oh, <laughs> yes. So with my family business, they give me a lot of um, freedom. So when I have to compete and train, I'd be like, oh, I have training, I'm competition. So it's really important that my family supports me because they're like, yes, you go. But it's also very stressful because it's in customer service. So you get a variety of people coming in and we always tell them right we're here to help you we're not here to like you know antagonize you but some customers go there and be like right I'm gonna do this and you know I'm gonna go to that shop and like look for a fight basically and you know there are a few that would get physical like in my first week this woman started grabbed my monitor and just started shaking it swearing at me going calm down like I'm here to try to help you but the uh, one time I had to use my karate <laughs> was actually to defend someone else. And it was one of our staff members. Uh, this customer came in and they were having a heated discussion with my colleague. And I stepped in and I was like, look, we're not able to help you. Like, like kind of gave him directions where he was supposed to go. Did not take it. My colleague was like, it's okay, don't worry, I'll talk to him. I'm like, okay, sat down. About two minutes later, I see him going like, around the counter and I was like oh what's happening here and then went for my colleague's neck so my colleague was sitting down and I was sitting down kind of like a few faces away and the customer went for his neck and I was like oh my goodness ran to him grabbed the customer like at the back and started pulling him like this and I didn't know that my colleague was also pulling him like this like into wow. him so that he was not gonna hurt him and so I was pulling the customer going oh my goodness calm down and I was thinking in my head this customer is really strong like couldn't even pull him back 
And so... And then something kicked in, the instinct kicked in. <laughs> well, I had to put him on a chokehold because he was like literally strangling my colleague and I put him on a chokehold and I was like, calm down, you need to calm down. Like, it's not worth getting like physical over. And he started attacking me from the back. And so I kind of had to use both hands, you know, because I was really short. So I kind of like well, you were sitting down when he walked in. He didn't realize when you stood up, you'd be four foot eleven. And then I had to like literally like hold him there, and I was like, you have to calm down. Like, and in my head, I was thinking, okay, well, he's not calming down. I have to like incapacitate him, right? Well, it could be worse than a chokehold. Well, he was literally like fighting him. What did and you do? Well, I held him there and trying to talk to him, right? And then my colleague was all frazzled and then technicians came from the back going, calm down, calm down, sir. And then his eyes started turning red and his lips started turning blue. And I thought to myself, he's not gonna give up. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna let you go. Please calm down. And then I like let him go and he like collapsed on the ground. And I was thinking to myself, oh my goodness, like. I don't want to, you know, injure him or anything. I just literally wanted him to stop. Yeah, self-defense. Yeah, and I was, you know, in my head, like, when I tell my students, you need to run away, but in this instance, mm. nobody can run away from him. So it was kind of like, right, you know, in a flight or fight response, I need to fight, <laughs> and I need to fight for someone else. So, yeah, um, that was unfortunate, but one of the few uses that I've used it. I guess in. the customer's <laughs> not always right, are they? No. Um, so, 2017, you had major so shoulder injury, um, injury and, and surgery. Yes. They had nothing to do with the chokehold, did it? No, it didn't. <laughs> Tell us about the challenges of a, of a big injury and, and what impact that had for you as an athlete. Well, I thought I was going to retire. Um, and I had a big talk with my family. I actually had it postponed for a few years, the surgery. And it got to a point because I dislocated my shoulder. So, Sensei and I were working on, okay, this is the moves that you need to do in order to not dislocate it. But because, you know, kata has a lot of different movements, I, I still would dislocate it. And um, it wasn't until I dislocated in my sleep that we had a real talk with the doctor and was like, right, it's affecting your everyday life. You need this surgery. And so, you know, I had to psych myself up going, okay, if I retire from competition, I'm not going to be able to do it, but I can still teach. I can still coach. It was a big thing for me, a few tears, you know, yeah, and I was like, okay, this is my retirement. And um, it's quite funny because after my surgery, it was in a, I was in a sling and, you know, praying hard about it. I was like, Lord, I'll accept whatever you want me to do. And then apparently this is what happened. So I went to training um, and we had a meeting afterwards and I was shaking. I didn't know I was shaking. And my teammate goes, are you okay? And I was like, oh, looking at these kids, like, I just really want to get back in here. Yeah. And then they go, oh, well, you're shaking, like, you know. And then Sensei goes, well, you know, you might not need to retire. Like, recover first. <laughs> of course, yes. recover first. And then we'll see if you can come back. And then, um, you know, I was going to retire. But God was like, nope. I have other plans for you. And here <laughs> and, you uh, are. Yes, 2020 yeah. and here I am. I, I <laughs> Still competing. I can't uh, not ask you, how on earth do you dislocate your shoulder in your sleep? Were you arm wrestling a choke holding a <laughs> customer in your, in your nightmares? Actually, I got stuck between the bed and the wall and my shoulder got stuck like between the bed and the wall and then I rolled over and it went click and I was like, oh my goodness, it's dislocated and I had to like pop it back in. So. Mm. 
That is crazy. Painful, yeah? <laughs> that is crazy. Yeah. So you're on an Olympic journey. Yes. Uh, Tokyo obviously was on hold this year. Yes. Next year we've got our fingers and toes crossed for it. You're ninth in the world. Yes. Where is the journey taking you before that? What is the next stop with qualification? Where are you at? Uh, there's a tournament planned in Rabat, Morocco, which is going well. Lord William is supposed to happen in February, but you know we don't know how borders are going to be. But we, you know, sensei and our are training as if it's going to happen. Yeah. Same with Tokyo, you know, and we have another one, um, Paris qualification tournament. Really big thing as well because if you rank first, second, or third, you're automatically in the Olympics. So both of those tournaments are quite important. And, you know, if they cancel it or they postpone it, I don't know what that entails, but we're still training as if it is going to happen. So and Paris, it sounds <laughs> tough, doesn't it? Really tough. Um, so Andrea, fitting really that, that Qatar is your sport and it's going to Tokyo, which is of Japanese origins. Yes. How special is that going to be, knowing that you've got eyes on uh, in a sport that really is surrounded by um, those who probably grew up with it? Yes, um, it's so exciting, because um, I've been to Tokyo tournaments, uh, how many times is that? I think two to three times, and you could really feel the audience um, like really into it. And um, karate is actually one of the co-curricular activities for Japanese kids so you get a lot of um, you know aspiring Japanese kids that would want to compete on the mat and um, it's just so exciting because the environment is so different and like the cheers are like so booming and it's like as a competitor you convert your nerves into excitement once you're there and I think that's really important so the venue and the people and the culture plays a huge role in it. So they're not just there to spectate and watch, they can really appreciate it. A lot of the yes. Japanese people there will know the moves, as you say, and, yes. and, it, and it means something to them as well. Yeah, and you know, it's quite inspirational for them. Like, you know, as I said, when I was watching the Karate Kid, I know I knew the moves that he was doing. Can you imagine, like, you know, the younger generation watching the champions compete in their hometown where yeah. karate was invented? So you laughed yeah. at Karate Kid, but you've watched it a few <laughs> times, haven't you? Have you competed against most of the athletes that you'll be coming up against have you do you know them well uh, yes so we see each other we call it the circuit so K1 and series A tournaments because that's how you basically earn points to get into the Olympics and um, yeah I've been competing since last year in the circuit and I also see some of them in world tournaments because I've been competing in the senior world tournament since 2008 so you see kind of like who has been there and the champions and like you know your competitors yeah so you'll be eyes on them they would have been eyes on you what are your expectations of Tokyo what does success look like for you for an Olympic Games we're definitely aiming for a medal <laughs> not just for us you know for God and for our country as well and we're doing the best that we can in order to put New Zealand on the podium. One of my dreams is to actually see the New Zealand flag up there, you know, for karate. Any world stage, like any world tournament, I would love to see the New Zealand flag up there and, um, you know, the fern up on the podium. It's just, oh, I'm getting really excited talking about it. Oh, I'm listening and hearing about it. Yeah, so Sensei is like, uh, me and Sensei have the goal of actually meddling in the Olympics, yes. I have no doubt that you can, <laughs> can do that. I've got to ask you one thing, Andrea, before we, we wind up, is that at the beginning of your, um, I want to call it performance, 
because it really is a performance almost, isn't it? You you shout. There's, a, there's like a, a cry that goes out. What is that? That's the name of the kata. So you need to announce the name of the kata before you start it. And one of the rules is that you're supposed to bow before and after your kata. And you're supposed to announce your kata, otherwise you get disqualified. <laughs> give us one. Give us an example of it. I want to, I'm going to block my ears. I want you to give us one how you would do it. It's really loud. Yeah. I'm ready for it because I think four foot of the of you will punch out one that means something. Oh, right. Okay. Can I stand? You can stand. <laughs> you can stand. The moment. So this is what you would do at the start of yes. your kata. All right. So, okay. <laughs> okay. So you bow. And then you do your kata, and then after, you bow. And I want to bow back. That was so powerful and so very, very cool. And Andrea, take a seat. Oh, thank I you. just want to say that um, you're infectious, you're enthusiasm, you can feel and you can sense. And I think that between you and your sensei, uh, you've got something very special going on there. So the very best of luck to you, and we're going to follow your journey so closely thank and you hope so for much. the very best. Thank you. <laughs>